Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Good morning, Tucson, and welcome to the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Tuesday, December the 7th, 2021. And uh, we are live here in uh, the uh, the city of Tucson. Just an absolute uh, beautiful winter that we're experiencing so far. Maybe some rain in the, few, in the uh, next couple of days. Looking forward to that. Hopefully we can get some of that. But uh, we are live right now on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. And uh, we are Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. And thank you for joining us here at uh, 7 o'clock every morning here as we broadcast. You can also join us on the uh, live stream if you want to listen to the live stream. If you uh, can't get the the radio signal for whatever reason, you can just go to ESPNTucson.com, click the Listen Live button, and boom, you're off and running and uh, checking out the show. Also, if you can't catch the entire show today and there's something you don't want to miss based on something that I tease for later on uh, in the 8 o'clock hour, maybe my NFL power rankings or maybe my – uh, my list of my NFL prospects, the early list for the 2022 NFL draft, or some other thoughts and topics that I have for you today. You can always go to where we upload our podcast each day. You can find it on uh, Stitcher, TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Audible, uh, all those places where you get your uh, your podcast. You can find the Jeff Dean Show. <coughs> Pardon me. Having some, uh, I don't know, allergy issues or something this morning. I maybe some of that wind from Buffalo made its way all the way across the country overnight and uh, blew some of the uh, the pollen or whatever winter allergens are hanging around here this morning, wreaking havoc. Uh, but it was a it, listen. There, there was there was a lot to be said about a fourteen to ten ball game that didn't feature a whole lot of uh, passes and a whole lot of big play. One big play in the game, really. Uh, but there's still a whole lot to be said about last night's Monday night football game in a blustery Buffalo. And uh, I have, for some reason, uh, I mean, I shouldn't say for some reason. I know the exact reason why, or I have a really good idea why at least, <clears throat> that a lot of people, I have a lot of friends. I mean, and I, when I say a lot of friends, and I, I'm talking about, like, how many of your friends are from one area of the country, like, that don't know each other. Uh, the, the, you know, your friend, I have like I, I probably seven, maybe eight friends from Buffalo or from like that area. What, one of my best friends is from Buffalo and he's been here for a long time. He went to high school here, but it's funny, you know, I was talking to him about, you know, Western New York and stuff. And I'm like, Hey, what's it like? And he's like, well, you know, summers are, are okay. It's really, you're really close to Canada. You got Niagara Falls right there. And there's some nice things about it, but about seven months of the year, it's completely miserable and cold and windy and snowy and sleet. And we got to see some of that last night. That, listen, I've seen a lot of cold weather games. That's the first time I've ever seen Bill Belichick. Like, he looked miserable in certain times of that game when they showed him on the sideline. He's just sitting there like freezing cold because that wind just cuts right through you when the wind is so high like that. Wind is like one of the worst things uh, that you can that you can deal with. When you when you look at that game from from last night, okay, and you try to analyze, you, you know where it all went right, where it all went wrong. Obviously, 
we know about the 46 rushing attempts to just the three passing attempts for the for the New England offense and you know there's it's the fewest of pass attempts in an NFL game since the 1974 Bills attempted only two passes against the New York Jets interestingly enough as I was kind of looking through the history of the uh, the fewest amount of passes in a game or fewest percentage of passes in a game they all involve the Buffalo Bills it seems like it's it's uh you know Look at old Western New York weather. Um, you know, interestingly enough, Josh Allen and the the Bills actually threw the ball more times than they ran the ball. They ran the ball twenty five times, and Josh Allen threw thirty passes. He was fifteen of thirty for one hundred and uh, forty five yards last night. We kind of expected them to throw more passes than New England. I mean, going into the game, look, my buddy who's who's from Buffalo, he sent me a text. He's like, "Hey, um, if you're looking to uh, to to." Do a parlay tonight. I just got word from you know from you know people and family and stuff back in Buffalo. It's going to be like fifty mile an hour winds, just horrible weather. It's terribly cold. Nobody's going to be able to throw the football. This was literally, I don't know, five minutes after I had played a parlay that included some over passing yards uh, for for both quarterbacks. Yeah, so that didn't work out so well for me. Thankfully, I was able to jump in on another parlay that actually uh, paid out. So. That was nice. I had to hedge my bet there because I had spent it already a little too early without checking the weather. There you go. See, anytime you're dealing with a team in the Northeast that's playing outdoors, check the weather before you put your uh, put your money down on an SGP on FanDuel Sportsbook because you know you don't want to don't want to be stuck just sitting there watching a game and watching your card just go up in flames. Uh, but regardless, <clears throat> you know, with Josh Allen playing at Wyoming. He's from, you know, that type of weather. You know, Wyoming doesn't exactly have the greatest weather in the wintertime either. We've seen Josh Allen throw in that weather. That's a big reason why Buffalo drafted him is he he's a good, bad-weather quarterback. Last night, though, you just couldn't help it. It, it was it, – it, it, the wind was so predictable because it was blustery. It was swirling all over the place. And <clears throat> here's the thing that that I think is – it's not getting enough, I think, you know, run as I as I watched and listened to some of the analysts last night, and then of course this morning, listened to listening to some of the people that were discussing the game last night. People are talking about what a genius Bill Belichick is, and I saw it on Twitter last night. And Colin Cowherd, whom I I you know have a lot in common with, and he and I get along really well, um, and I he and I share a lot of the same opinions on things. And, you know, even he was like, there's no question that he's the greatest coach in the history of football and this and that. And here's the thing that that I think I think people are overcomplicating the job that Bill Belichick did last night and, and kind of the job that he's done over the years. And I go back to a quote directly from the man himself, from Bill Belichick, one of my favorite what am I? He, like, I quote Belichick a lot. We've I've talked about this on the show before. If you listen to the show, you know I quote Belichick a lot. I have a great amount of respect for his mind, and not just and I don't mean just his football mind. I mean just his mind in general, how his mind works, uh, the way he logically sees through things. He's just a very logical thinker, very no nonsense kind of guy. <clears throat> I appreciate that. Uh, I'm a very simple, simple, logical thinker as well. When Bill Belichick said, and I can't remember what it was, and he was talking about officiating at the time. This may have been 10 years ago, for all I know. I just know it was, it's a quote that I've been using for quite some time. 
and they asked him specifically about there was some call that was being made in, in, in the game, and he adjusted the way his team was playing. And, again, I don't remember exact scenario, but they asked him about it in the post game, and he said, we do business as business is being done. And, and that's that's basically where he left it. Like, if the officials aren't or are going to call this, you know, tightly, loosely, whatever, we're going to take advantage of that. We're going to make sure that we work that into our favor. Last night, Bill Belichick did not scheme the Buffalo Bills. He knows he can beat the Buffalo Bills. He's been beating the Bills his entire life, his entire coaching career. He's been beating the Buffalo Bills. It seems like that franchise, regardless of who their coach is, who their players are, they just wilt, they pucker when they play Bill Belichick. It happened, the third play of the game? The Damian Harris touchdown? I mean, it's just like, like, here we go. Here we go all over again. Buffalo could be the best team in the league. They could play the New England Patriots at their absolute worst and lose that football game. Not exactly sure why. Bill Belichick knows how to beat the Buffalo Bills. He does not have to scheme his way into a win. What what Bill Belichick did last night was saying, I can beat that team of 53 guys and that head coach on the other sideline. Who I can't beat is Mother Nature. Can't beat her. There's, there's nothing I can do about this weather. I'm going to have to work my way around it. I'm going to have to do business as business is being done. Mother Nature is not going to allow us to fling the football all over the field. I don't have the, the quarterback with the strong arm and the confidence and the experience to be able to play in this weather, so we have to make some changes. Not to beat the Buffalo Bills but to deal with Mother Nature, to make sure that you can try to work your way around her ultimate force because there's nothing you can do. Oppositely, on the on the other side of the field, Sean McDermott is trying to scheme his way in how to beat the New England Patriots. we got to do this, we got to do this. The New England Patriots were no longer going to be doing what, they're, what, they're used to be, what they used to do. The Patriots aren't going to be running that style of offense. The Patriots aren't going to be doing those things. They had to change based on the weather. And it wasn't scheming the Bills. They can beat the Bills every day, twice on Sunday if they wanted to. That's not a big deal for Bill Belichick, apparently. But what he did last night was he said, all right, you know, we, we, uh, uh, we, we're not going to get fancy with it here. What I'm going to do is, is we're going to run every, you know, offensive set. And when I say every offensive set, it was 61% of of the plays that they ran. They ran 49 plays last night. 61% of them were with a sixth offensive lineman, which is the most in the last 10 years in the NFL. Uh, he said, we're going we're gonna to run a sixth offensive lineman out there, and we're going to run the football. We have running backs that we believe in between Damian Harris and Ramonde, Ramondre Stevenson. And both had, you know, both had good games, obviously. Damian Harris with a big 64-yard pop that he had. And I'll kind of go through that play in just a minute because there was some remarkable um, X's and O's that go along with that particular play. And Ramondre Stevenson, who's having himself a really nice first year in the NFL, had 78 yards as well. But the, 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 the Patriots didn't go out there and employ some kind of new offense uh, and and run the ball for seven yards a carry and just completely decimate the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills were stacking the box. They were ready for 
you know, they were ready for the the uh, um, you know the runs that were coming because they you know they, after uh, you know a quarter and a half they're like oh, these guys aren't throwing the football they threw the ball one time in the first half um, they're not running the football so we're going to make sure we stack the box just keep them honest on the back end so they don't get a cheapie on us but you know we got to stack the box and the Patriots to their credit were up to the task and they were able to execute. Uh, just a little bit better than Buffalo. I don't think, I don't think the Patriots were innovative. I don't think this was Bill Belichick's best coaching job, as I saw on Twitter. Somebody said on Twitter last night, I remember it was, said that this was Bill Belichick's best coaching job of his career. I'm just like, what in the world are you doing? All he did was say, I can't beat Mother Nature. I can beat Buffalo. I can't beat Mother Nature. So I have to do this. It was very simple. It was very, very simple. There was no scheming about it. It was just like, look, to ensure that we can we can match up. Because, look, when you run the football, you want to make sure that you have enough blockers for the amount of tacklers that they have. You have to subtract one guy because your quarterback isn't going to get into the running game. <clears throat> so you have to subtract one. So it's already – you're already uh, up against the odds of trying to run the football in, in, the, in the world of, of football, in the game. Right, so you have to make sure that you can try to even those odds as best you can. So you put a sixth offensive lineman in there. You make sure that you have six guys that know how to block, that know the running plays, know the schemes that are required, and that have been taught certain things. Now, where I will give Bill Bill Belichick a ton of credit, and I and, and you know coaching credit, was anytime you install an offense that adds another offensive lineman to the situation, things change. Your assignments change, okay? When you run, you know, when you run, a, a, you know, a zone play, let's say, okay, those assignments don't change as much. So if you ran zone all night long, things would be a little different, but it wouldn't be, uh, you know, a, a huge, huge change uh, for the rest of those five guys that are now playing next to, a, a you know, a sixth teammate. But when you play base – which is a lot of what the New England Patriots do. They're they're not a, a you know they're kind of like a sixty forty base to zone run team. They do plenty of zone run. Everybody does, but they're not like the Forty ers who are one hundred percent zone. Um, you know the Patriots still run a lot of base, and the Damian Harris play the big touchdown run from last night was a base. Now when you play base and you add a sixth offensive lineman, that's when things really change because. You obviously are going to have uh, the way the Patriots did. If you want to keep uh, a strong side, you have a tight end in there. Well, what the Patriots did is they basically just just said, and this was this was the remarkable part because this was done. This wasn't done before the game. This wasn't installed in the in the packages that the Patriots were practicing during the week leading up to the Buffalo Bills. At least I don't think it was because the weather dictated this change. This was done. In the off season, and it's done kind of every week. In you just want to keep guys fresh and say, okay, if we go to six offensive line uh, players, then we have to we have to start doing this. This is this is going to be our goal. This is what we're going to try to look for when we go to six man front. Okay, so that's where he deserves the credit. And on that big run, let's just let's just say on on, on the, the the one play the, the the play of the game right that was basically it was seven nothing and at that point you kind of felt like buffalo was in trouble on that play they ran 
the sixth offensive lineman out there. They lined up the the uh, the extra tackle on the right side. Okay, so now you're strong right. Then they brought in the tight end. They brought in it was um, uh, I don't remember who it was. It's it's like their blocking tight end, not really their catching tight end. They also lined him up on the right side. So now you have an overloaded front. You have overloaded strong side. You have two offensive linemen to the left of the center. You have four, uh, three plus a tight end to the right of the center. So Buffalo sees this. They shift, okay? So they shift their defense to make sure that they're not going to get just completely ramrodded uh, on the right side where they just uh, are running. You just hand off a simple, uh, you know, just a simple, you know, off-tackle play, and you get a swinging gate effect where those four guys just mow everyone down in their way. So you have to slide to make sure you're getting your odd front onto that strong side, and you leave the weak side still okay, and you have an outside rusher and this and that. Well, what the Patriots did is they countered by basically they brought in Nikhil Harry, the wide receiver, who's can't catch a football, but he's gotten really good at blocking people. So they bring him in almost like a tight end. He's in the slot, but he's four feet from the left tackle. I mean, he is really close to that left tackle. All they did was get themselves into a position where they had an incredible amount of leverage to get to the second level and get those linebackers wiped out. So they run the toss weak. They ran the toss to the left, the weak side. Nikhil Harry gets his bump on the defensive end, wipes him out. Okay, just just enough to get him out of the play, keep him from from setting that edge. He did his job. The left tackle, then he kicks out on the on the uh, the, the the five technique that was in front of him, kicks him out, pushes him out of the way. The left guard kind of gets a combo block on the nose tackle, then heads out towards the middle linebacker. But then the right guard was the huge one in this. The right guard because Buffalo had to shift because of the the overloaded front. The, the other middle linebacker was way out of position. So the right guard, then all he has to do is basically just chip his man and move in front of that middle linebacker, and he just completely takes him out of the play. Damian Harris saw that. He made a cutback. There was a giant gaping hole in the middle of the defense, and he was gone. And that was it. These are the types of plays and and moments that are set up. This was done four months ago when he said, all right, in case we have to go six offensive linemen, this is the kind of thing that we're going to do. These are going to be, you know, he, he tells his old line coach, make sure you get the guys ready for this. Make sure your make sure your guys are ready for their assignments on six you know six man offensive line blah 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 blah. The Nikhil Harry thing I think was kind of an addition. I think that's something that maybe was added, uh, you know, maybe this week or or something like that. If they felt like they were going to have to go big up front, it was just a remarkable job of coaching. But it wasn't yesterday. This happened months and months ago. His level of preparation is better than anyone else's in the NFL. It has been for a long, long time. And that's why Bill Belichick is the best. Because, as Joe Paterno once said, the will to compete is important, but the will to prepare is vital. And that's where, you know, that's where Bill Belichick's, that's where he beats all of his adversaries. Because he prepares better than anyone. Because he's tireless at it. He doesn't stop. You know, we talked about it. He, he sleeps 45 minutes at a time. He sleeps, he sleeps an hour and a half a day. 
42, 45-minute naps, which somehow allows him to get the equivalent of six hours of sleep, something he learned from the special forces that he trained with and, and trained under learning how to, to utilize his technique so that he can spend 20 hours a day trying to make sure his team wins football games. And right now, they're 9-4. and four. They got the number one seed in the AFC. And look out, because if you have to go through New England to get through the playoffs and they get that first week by, you're in trouble. That's, that's not a situation anybody wants to be playing in. And the fact that he's doing it with a rookie quarterback is just remarkable. It, it, he's the best coach I've ever seen, the best football coach I've ever had the, the pleasure of witnessing. And, again, it's not just what happens the moments before a football game. Yes, he decided to change things up, but it wasn't because of what the Buffalo Bills were going to do. He just said, I can't beat Mother Nature. We have to do things differently tonight. We're going to go back. Let's open up that dust off that old playbook from you know back in July when we installed this offense. And let's hope that our guys remember that they were uh, coached up to play this way. Uh, just, just remarkable stuff. The Marana Police Officers Association is holding a Stuff the Cop Car toy drive this Saturday, December 11th at 8 a.m. It goes till 2 p.m. You're going to have uh, plenty of opportunity there. You go to the Walmart off of Cortero and uh, just west of I-10 there. They're going to be collecting clothes, shoes, and toys for all ages. There are also cash donations accepted as well. So you just go right into the Walmart, get something for a uh, for a child here in the Tucson and Marana area, and walk out and donate it and stuff the stuff the uh, the cop car there. Uh, it will benefit the Arizona Children's Association to help the children in Marana and Tucson areas have a happy holiday. That's again this Saturday from 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. at the Walmart at Cortero and I-10. More of the Jeff Dean Show right here on ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. ESPN Tucson wants to remind you that the 51st annual Winter Street Fair is going to be going on this weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. The 4th Avenue Street Fair opens at 10 a.m. It will go until dusk daily, so roughly 5 o'clock, 5 p.m., right? Uh, Something for everyone is going to be going on there at the 4th Avenue Street Fair. There's holiday shopping from the merchants and the artists that are there. There's going to be plenty of mouth-watering fair food. Yeah. Local entertainment, family activities. Uh, Santa himself will even be there. For more details, go to ESPNTucson.com and join us at the 4th Avenue Street Fair this weekend, this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday right there on 4th Ave. Uh, I apologize for getting so technical there in the first segment discussing. I know it's not the most exciting radio for everyone. I apologize for that. I just get geeked up when I see stuff like that. Um, you know, it's a, a new wrinkle that uh, that is always fun to see and you want to take a closer look at it, and then when you just see the magic kind of unfurl before your eyes and realize just how good these guys are at their job. And and, and I'm not just talking about the New England Patriots O-linemen specifically and, and their offensive coordinators and their line coaches and Bill Belichick and all this stuff. I mean, I'm talking about all the professionals in the NFL. Like These guys get paid hundreds of thousands and millions and tens of millions and hundreds of millions of dollars to do that job. It's in a very, very, very elite group. You know, it's one of those things you have to remember. There's 105 guys 
on a college football program, right? 105 players. There's 130 teams in Division One football. And in uh, Division One, AA, FCS, whatever you want to call it, there's similar, you know, not similar roster sizes, 105. They don't have that many uh, at the FCF level, usually in between like 70, 75, I think, total uh, for some of the bigger programs. But there's a lot of programs in FCS sending guys to the NFL as well. And then you realize that there's 32 teams in the NFL and only 53 men on a roster, and the disparity starts to get quite large. So, you know, when only 1% of the kids that are playing college football are going to go on to play pro, uh, you realize that they're pretty special. And then when you see things happen like what happened last night just on one play, that's just I didn't have time to break down the entire film. I was like, show me the touchdown. I want to see the touchdown play. How did that happen? I also have to give credit to Damian Harris. Great vision and great cutback. I think the toss was was supposed to go between uh, between the uh, the left tackle and the re- the outside receiver there. I think he was supposed to kick it out there, but once he saw that right guard just completely wipe out that middle linebacker, he cut it back and he was gone. Um, it's it's just a it's just a remarkable job by everyone involved, and that's how you that's how you get big plays in the NFL. Everything has to come together. All 11 guys have to work together in concert along with the game plan and the coaches and the way that they've been set up from uh, from day one to learn these techniques and these things. It's just it's remarkable to see. It's Look, it's the best sport in the world for that reason right there because it takes 11 men working in concert to be able to have success against the opposing team. And sometimes on the opposition, it only takes one guy to be out of uh, you know, out of position or or out of focus or you know whatever have you or miss a tackle. Uh, look, it's it's the best game in the world, and it's it's just such a pleasure to be able to cover it and to have a job where you know I'm paid to essentially talk about these kinds of things. I'm just blessed as all can be. All right, uh, coming up throughout the show here, we still got an hour and a half to go. Um, we're going to be talking about Wildcat basketball. A lot of Wildcat basketball, actually, today, because the NCAA net rankings were released yesterday, about five minutes after I signed off the air, of course. They couldn't do it before, so they had to do it afterwards, and now I'm kind of like late to the party here. But I have some interesting takes, some interesting thoughts about where the Wildcats stand right now nationally and where they could be come January, you know, January 5th, basically, you know, a month from now, January 7th, a month from now, including their upcoming matchup tomorrow night against an unbeaten Wyoming team. I'm also going to give my NFL power rankings. That's coming up at 8 o'clock. Talk about some Week 14 matchups. I know it's only Tuesday, but my goodness, Week 14, we've had some weeks, and it happens every year in the NFL, there's some weeks where you look at it at the, at the, at the slate of games, you're like, hmm, Maybe I'll go out of town this weekend. Don't do it this weekend. Holy smokes, there are some really good games coming up in Week 14 in the NFL. We'll talk about that. Uh, I also have some other local news in regards to Arizona football recruiting. We talked with Matt Moreno yesterday, of course, uh, our uh, recruiting insider from Go AZ Cats, and we talked specifically about a couple of players. One of those players, I, I, I can't help but feel for the young man right now because He's being absolutely torn in two opposite directions, and we'll talk about that uh, and the effect it may have on Arizona football and that particular player, uh, you know, in 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 return also. So we'll talk about that coming up, and also 
the top NFL prospects, my top NFL prospects, an early look uh, at the 2022 NFL draft as we get closer. The NFL draft is something that I have covered very, very extensively for a long time. And we're talking, you know, 17, 18 years now I've been working the NFL draft. It's kind of been like my specialty when, when, when there's a, you know, special broadcast for the NFL draft in Phoenix, I always contribute to that. So, you know, it's, it's just something that I really, really enjoy doing and I dive into. And once the season ends is when I really get rolling on that thing. So, we're going to give an early look at some of the guys now that the college football season has ended and is now heading into bowl season. Give you an early look at maybe some of the names you could be hearing called coming up in the 2022 NFL Draft. A lot to talk about today, tons of football, but coming up next, some Wildcat basketball. You're listening here to the Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson. Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show, talking some local basketball. The Wildcat men's basketball team, real quick, the women's basketball team, Back in action at the McHale Center on Thursday night. The number six ranked team in the country, matching their highest ranking ever in program history. Adia Barnes, look, there was talk that losing Ari McDonald was going to be the you know a real bugaboo. You know, I don't want to use the, the term death knell because this team was certainly good enough to be nearing a top 25, I think, in most people's eyes, even without Ari. But, man, to be nearing a top five ranking uh, this you know at this time in the season, trying to work in those new players, get them there, accustomed to their to their new jobs and their positions and things like that. You, you just can't you can't understate the job that she has done in her short time here at Arizona, leading the women's basketball team to the championship game last year, and looking for more this year. And I guys I've talked about her on the show plenty of times. I just love her disposition. You know, what I mean, she's got that. Got that sweet look about her. She's always smiling, and she has a lot of reasons to be happy. You know, she's very successful. She's very good and confident and, and does a great job. Um, but her, she's got that real competitive fire inside of her. You know, she's a young, she's a former player, obviously. She's young, and she's got that, look, I don't, I'm not going to take. I'm not going to sit here and be like thankful that we, you know, we're picked to finish fifth in the Pac-12. Oh, that's good. You know, we're going to be good. You know, yeah, everybody gets an, a, a, you know, a participation trophy. She wants to go out there and smash people. Like I, I just, I love her disposition. And uh, women's team going to be back in action at the McHale Center Thursday night. Number six ranked women's Wildcat basketball team, and uh, very, very proud of them. The number eleven men's team got a little news yesterday as far as their net rankings go. Um, the NCAA net rankings, the first official net rankings of the season were released. I'm not even going to attempt to explain how they figure out the net rankings. There's some kind of algorithm that factors in multiple things like where the game was played and efficiency of offense versus defense and the average opponent's efficiencies and all this. It, like it's Look, I think it's a very comprehensive metric on how to figure out you know where to seed teams how to allow them entry into the into the postseason and the tournament and such like that but right now Arizona opens the season with a net ranking of three 
the number three net-ranked team in the country behind only Purdue and LSU, both of uh, whom who have been very uh, very impressive this year. Uh, Purdue with three Quadrant One wins already this season. Uh, very impressive. They got the win over Iowa in Iowa City last night. Um, or I'm sorry, that was Illinois. Sorry, I was thinking ahead to the Wild. I was looking here at the schedule. It's my bad. Purdue's been really, really good. Illinois got a big win last night in Iowa City over Iowa. Of course, that's a uh, an opponent, an, an uh, upcoming opponent for the Wildcats, and I will talk about that in just a moment. Now, the Wildcats didn't move anywhere in the AP or the coaches poll, and that's fine. They're sitting at number 11. Th- those numbers are going to work themselves out um, as – People start to recognize what the Wildcats are doing a little bit more. If Arizona can get some favorable television time, maybe ESPN or one of the national broadcast teams wants to bump a a less than favorable matchup that they have to uh, put the Wildcats on TV, that would be wonderful um, just to get a little more national recognition um, for this team so that people can get their eyeballs on them because – Reading the box score, you're like, man, they really crushed this team. Okay, that team must not be very good. You have to watch Arizona play to really appreciate what they do. They're just so, so good and so early on. And I know, look, it's 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 the you know the the glaring you know uh, I guess uh, demerit of their resume. They do have the 300th ranked strength of schedule in the country. Out of 358 teams, they're number 300. People say, oh, they haven't played anybody yet. Okay? That's, I, I, would, I would say that that's somewhat fair. However, some of the teams that they've played have had some nice victories over the, uh, over the course of this season, and you just never know when a team is going to come up and bite you because at any point given time, a ranked team can lose to a bad team. I give to you Exhibit A last night. Florida, down in Gainesville, playing at home, gets absolutely crushed by Texas Southern, who was 0-7 on the season. Um, I believe their net ranking was 312. That's a really bad loss for Florida. They were the number 14-ranked team in the country going into that game. They, they, what, they get beat by 15, 16? They were the number 22 net-ranked team in the country. And they just lost to an 0-7 team who didn't even show up in the top 300 of the net rankings. So it can happen at any time. So I don't want to hear about strength of schedule right now. Give it to me later, okay, once Arizona's lost a game, who have they lost to, where did they lose. They're not going to go undefeated. We know this, okay. In fact, I don't know if they make it out of 2021 undefeated by looking at their their opponents that are coming up because that strength of schedule number is about to skyrocket up into the uh, probably into the mid 100s, the, the mid to high 100s by the time the dust settles at the end of 2021. Now, currently the number three net team in the country, they will face five teams currently ranked in the net top uh, top 50 over the next four weeks. My uh, my notes here said top five. I so I'm like that's not. That's not correct. Top 50. Forgot they had the zero there. Uh, five of the teams they face in the next four weeks are all ranked in the top 50 of the net. Wyoming, whom they play tomorrow night at the McHale Center, is the number 12 net team in the country. They're unbeaten. They play Illinois, who's the number 48 net team. 
on the road in Champaign on Saturday. Huge win, and Illinois' number is going to go up based on their victory last night in Iowa City over a previously one-loss Iowa Hawkeyes team. Then they travel to Knoxville on December 22nd to take on the Volunteers, who are the number 11 net team in the country. And then they open up conference season, regular conference season, I guess. I don't know what you want to call it. They open up at UCLA, who's number 33 in the net rankings. And then they play at USC, who's number 7 in the net rankings. So not only are five of the next seven teams that they play ranked in the top 50 of the net, they play four of those games on the road. So that is going to lift things exponentially for the Wildcats. Now, I'm not saying the Wildcats are going to win all five of those games. I don't think they're going to make it out. I mean, I certainly hope they do. But look, these are tough games. Going on the road is a difficult proposition. Teams do not like it when you come into their building and have a lot of swagger, which the Arizona Wildcats have. Both of those teams, Illinois and Tennessee, are very hard coached. You look at who their coaches are, they preach toughness. Both of those teams are going to be very, very tough. Those teams are going to try to punch Arizona in the mouth, try to shut them up, try to slow down their swagger. They have a lot of pride. Obviously, both teams ranked their top 50 net teams. Uh, They've got senior leadership. Kofi Coburn is an absolute monolith in the center of the the offense and defense for, uh, for the Illini. Tennessee just has incredible athleticism and plays great scramble defense. Look, they're, they're going to be tough. Okay, if Arizona goes seven and zero through this through this run, uh, you know, all the way from Wyoming through to to USC, give them the number one ranking in the country. There would be no team more deserving in the in, in the country than Arizona at that point. If Arizona can just win three of those five games, okay, now they've got two home games. Uh, against Northern Colorado and Cal Baptist, both teams are in the top 150 of the uh, of the net ranking. So that would give them a uh, a couple of Q3 quad three victories. Cal, listen, we'll talk about Cal Baptist when they're when, when they're coming up because that game is uh, next Saturday, the 18th. They got a player in their team, Taron Armstrong. He's NBA player. Like he's he's wicked good. We'll talk about him uh, when we preview that game. But if Arizona can win three of those five games against the net 50, okay, Wyoming, Illinois, Tennessee, UCLA, USC, and if they are able to hold serve at home, if they can crush Northern Colorado and Cal Baptist, that would put Arizona at 10-2 and two on the season with three quad one victories. That is a, a huge, hugely impressive number. Uh, right now, the best team in the in the country in Q uh, Q one victories is Purdue. They're the number one net team in the country. They're three and zero, three and zero Q one. Um, and again, these games are played on the road, except for the Wyoming game. Illinois, Tennessee, UCLA, USC, all played on the road. That is quite the uh, quite the gauntlet for Arizona coming up. But they're healthy, they're ready, they're confident. They know what they want to do. They have an identity. That is one of the most important things you can have in sports, in team sports, is to have an identity. When you talk to coaches about it, it's like the unsung hero of a program or of a team. If you have an identity, know who you are, know what you want to do, know how you go about your business, that makes things a lot easier on the preparation tactics for that game. Arizona 
has an absolute identity. And along with that identity, their guard Benedict Matherin was just named yesterday the Pac-12 Player of the Week, the first time he has uh, been able to receive that honor, and I don't think it's the last time he'll win Pac-12 Player of the Week because he is just so good. He gets better every single week. And uh, the Wildcats are uh, are very fortunate to have Benedict Matherin on this squad, and, and uh, we love to watch him play. So Arizona looking ahead, again, if they can win three of those five games against the top 50, that would be remarkable. I, I think that would be fantastic for Arizona because, again, these would be road wins, true road victories, which are difficult to get in the NCAA. All right, we, uh, we still have a, uh, about a little over an hour to go in today's show. Still a lot of stuff to get into, including some local recruiting news. We may get into that in, uh, in just a moment because uh, uh, there's a young man right now that's being torn in uh, opposite directions, and uh, we'll talk about that uh, coming up next. ESPN Tucson welcomes the Barstool Sports Arizona Bowl. It's going to take place Friday, December 31st. Kickoff is at noon at Arizona Stadium. It pits Central Michigan versus Boise State. And I'm super excited about this. A special halftime performance by former Creed lead man Scott Stapp. I, listen, I'm a big Creed fan. I, I love listening to Creed. I know it's kind of like, oh, you listen to Nickelback. Look, Creed's way better than Nickelback. Um, I know they're kind of cheesy, but, man, I love their music. And, of course, that halftime performance they did on Thanksgiving of the Dallas Cowboys game is still one of the most memorable halftime performances of my life. It was so, so good and amazing. And Scott Stapp going to be performing at halftime of that game. It's just going to be awesome. Uh, more details. Get your tickets at ESPNTucson.com. It's the Jeff Dean Show here on ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. All right, just a uh, quick little segment here before we do our quick turnaround break at the top of the hour. Then hour number two. Hour number two features the NFL Power Rankings, my I'm going to be doing week-to-week now. It's late enough in the season. you got to have some change week-to-week depending on the outcomes of the games. I'll have my new power rankings unveiled at 8 o'clock. Uh, week 14 matchups in the NFL, some huge games uh, in the NFL coming up this weekend. And, of course, my early look at the 2022 NFL draft, some of the top prospects you can most likely hear names called on day one on the Thursday night broadcast of the NFL draft. Now, I mentioned, you know, we talked yesterday with Matt Moreno, He's the uh, you know the senior editor at Go AZ Cats. He's our recruiting insider, and we talk specifically about T. Tyroa McMillan, the top wide receiver in the state of California, who had a basically a, a two-team decision. It was between Oregon and Arizona about where he was going to verbally commit to. Three of his teammates at Servite, Anaheim Servite, have committed and have a very strong commitment to the University of Arizona. Two of his guys, of course, on offense, Kean Burnett and Noah Fafita, the quarterback of the team. And T. Tyroa McMillan, T-Mac, as he's known, decided to play out his dream and play at Oregon. Well, the lead recruiter for T-Mac has going, has, is going to now follow Mario Cristobal to Miami. I believe, I, I think it's like 99% uh, a done deal that uh, that they're both going to be heading off to Miami. Now, T-Mac had a really strong relationship with both um, his the lead recruiter and with Mario Cristobal. That's gone. 
So Arizona is starting to pump up the volume a little bit on his re-recruitment, and it's been going on ever since. Don't like I said when the day that he committed to Oregon, I said there is no chance in hell Jed Fish drops the rope and walks away from this one. He is going to continue to fight. Well, now, and I talked about it yesterday with Matt Moreno, Noah Fafita's mom, Mama Fafita. They're all a very close-knit family-type unit there in Anaheim, those three, you know, those three kids. She has been, and I mean laying it on thick in social media. And i got to be honest, I kind of feel a little bad for T-Mac right now. He's just had part of his dream crushed with Mario Cristobal leaving. There's indecisiveness and who's going to take over the job it's his dream school and now his best friends and his you know his like essentially like his adopted football mom are pushing hard for him to come to tucson this is going to be interesting this week to see what happens with t tyroa mcmillan stay tuned this is going to get good all right hour number two of the jeff dean show coming up again we just have that quick little two minute break we'll be right back stay tuned Right here to 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson.